0: Change of course to handle COVID variants. About three weeks ago, we were able to go from testing about 20% of our samples for variants to 70%. What new exposures mean for
1: Metro Vancouver schools. Teen girls terrorized.
2: She started threatening us, saying that she's gonna stab us and stuff.
1: The late night intruder who attacked with no warning.
2: And the ambulance service
3: in critical condition.
4: We had up to 30 ambulances in the GVOD and lower mainland areas out of service.
3: Why some were waiting hours for help to arrive.
5: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
1: Good evening and thanks for joining us. Two Castlegar teenagers are recovering from a frightening and random attack over the weekend.
3: As Romina Dea reports, both were staying at a family member's home when a stranger walked in and went on a stabbing spree.
2: I woke up to my best friend looking at me having this terrified face.
6: Terrified? Because there was
2: a female
6: intruder standing in her friend's grandmother's home in the small Kootenai community of Castlegar,
2: the stranger holding a knife. This girl started saying that we need to go with her right now because we need to go kill ourselves with her.
6: Moments later, the teen, who
2: cannot be identified, says she and her best friend were attacked. She came to me and stabbed me in the chest and uh, underneath of my bra wire and my or my bone like saved it from going through my heart and my best friend got like stabbed in the arm and in the back. The
6: suspect attacked again says the teen who ran out the back door to get help for her friend.
2: And there's an ambulance right there and I run to them and I'm just like screaming at them to help help me and i ran back to danny and there's like blood coming out of her mouth and stuff the teen's friend
6: is recovering in hospital from serious stab wounds say police it appears the suspect entered the home through an unlocked door Castlegar RCMP tell us 29-year-old Sasha Margaret Prokasky of no fixed address has been charged with five counts: break and enter, aggravated assault, assault with a weapon, and two counts of uttering threats.
7: I'm thankful the girls are okay and going to get through this. Um, We've been talking about the new shelter that has been put in town in the past few months, and we're concerned of this possibly happening again without proper provisions put in place for people's safety
2: i'm okay (laughs) nothing's wrong with me physically fine (laughs) but the mental wounds are sinking in it's hard it's like i feel nub and it's flashbacks and it's just scary romina Dea, global news
1: officials from fraser health are trying to reassure parents students and staff in seven schools who were linked to positive tests for COVID-19 variants. They say the testing that's been done since the first cases emerged proves that safety protocols are working. Grace Key reports.
8: Students head back to school at James Ardiol Elementary in Surrey after learning two people there tested positive for a COVID-19 variant, leading to five classes having to stay home and self-isolate.
9: Personally, I'm actually at fairly high risk for COVID. But uh, I think it's actually a hell of a lot more important for Stephanie to uh, actually receive a proper education, for her to be around her peers.
0: Me, I'd keep them at home, but they want to go to school the board. <laughs> <laughs> the
8: variant has hit six schools in Surrey, including an independent and one school in Delta. Some involve the variant first detected in the UK. Results are still pending in others. All seven schools involve possible exposures. 300 staff and students will be tested.
10: Fraser Health arranged for rapid testing for 35 people yesterday at one site. And so uh, we'll also have all the testing for students and staff uh, today and tomorrow, which of the 24-hour version of testing.
8: The 35 were staff members who tested negative and will return to work. Although the variants are considered more contagious, so far, there's been no transmission. So I actually
11: think that the um, safety measures that are present in the school are robust, and provided they are followed, um, then the schools actually are well-protected against transmission of uh, people who come to school with infection.
8: The seven schools remain open and anyone testing negative will be able to return to class. Grace Key, Global News. Well, with
3: the emergence of variants in B.C. schools, the head of the B.C. Teachers Federation is calling for more power for individual school districts to enact local COVID-19 policies. As Richard Zussman reports, the teachers union is also calling for more school-focused rapid testing to be done.
12: From schools across the province, a plea from teachers...
3: What needs to happen right away is that districts need to have more flexibility to be able to exceed the health and safety guidelines.
12: The policy shift, for example, would allow certain districts to require elementary students to wear masks or create stricter physical distancing guidelines. The variant case is connected to Surrey and Delta, leading to higher anxiety among teachers and parents.
2: We see this as a real game changer, especially given we know this is a more contagion.
12: It may be a game changer, but for now, the province won't be changing the game
8: plan. We need to make changes if we're going to make changes based on evidence. Uh, And at the moment, uh, we we, we need to let this process um, uh, unfold. The
12: province pointing to no confirmed transmissions of the variants inside the school system as proof the plan is working. Another issue, rapid testing something the B.C. Liberals say should be dispatched to all schools and areas with high COVID counts.
3: We don't want to go out there and scare people. What we
0: want is we want leadership, we want rapid testing. So it's actually not something that I would recommend we protocolize because then we lose the benefit of the intelligence and the that comes from a careful assessment of the case.
12: Earlier this month, the province mandated masks in classrooms but not at a student's desk and not in elementary schools. And with the variant here, the province does not plan any additional
0: changes when it comes to the mask policy. Again, there is no indication right now that in British Columbia, we need to change our approach.
12: Leaving anxious parents, students, teachers and staff to distrust the process. Richard Sussman, Global News, Victoria.
1: All right, here's a look at the latest COVID-19 numbers for BC. And remember, this is over three counting periods going back to Friday. We've got 1,428 new cases, bringing BC's total to 77,203. Sadly, eight more people have died, which means we've now lost 1,335 to COVID. 223 people are in the hospital, 63 of those patients in the ICU. 71,312 are considered recovered, leaving us with 4,560 active cases and 7,768 in self-isolation. Let's bring in Keith Baldry now for more on the variants in B.C. A Mm -hmm. lot of people concerned about those. Keith, how do they break down by health region?
13: Yeah, they sort of break down as COVID-19 breaks down generally. Fraser Health, a home to most of the cases. So, again, we went from a little over 70 to now 101 variant cases have been detected. Doesn't mean they're they're actually active. But take a look at the breakdown on a regional health authority. Of the 101 cases that have been detected, Fraser Health has the most at 58. Uh, no surprise there. In Vancouver Coastal, of course, the second most populous region would have the second most uh, populous uh, numbers of variant cases. And Vancouver Island has four. Interior has three. Uh, the reason we've gone from 70 to more than 100 is because, not because there's been a bunch of new outbreaks, it's because our testing uh, process has changed. We can now go from 20, testing 20% of COVID-19 samples at any given time to testing 70% because there's a new procedure at play. Dr. Rebecca Gustafson points out because of that, these cases are going back as far back as three weeks.
0: The results of this increase in screening means that there, were, there was an increased number of detections of variants. And they, those detections were reported in the past week and Fraser Health with the, with the Surrey School District responded to those detections. What's important for you to know is that the actual cases occurred for a little over than, or over three weeks. So they didn't all occur at the same time.
13: Now most of these variant cases, Chris, are the B117 variant originally associated with the United Kingdom, about more than 80 of the 101 fall into that category. There are two other uh, cases out there that have not been classified yet. There are the B121525 originally associated with Nigeria, so they're still investigating whether that's a true variant. The bottom line: keep an eye, a uh, uh, constant eye on the active case number. Only four right now. that's a very low number. and we don't want that number to get too high. No doubt. OK, thanks very much. Keith. All right.
3: Well, the push is on in Vancouver for high school students to get more in-class instructional time. Sarah McDonald is live with more on this. Sarah, some Vancouver parents say the pandemic is having an unfair impact on the education of their children.
14: Yeah, that's right, so and they're hoping to get some answers from the Vancouver School Board tonight. Global News has learned that a motion will be tabled at tonight's meeting surrounding instructional hours when it comes to in-class learning, though it's unclear at this point exactly what the wording of that motion will look like. Now, at issue here for parents critical of the Vancouver School District is the amount of instructional time, or lack thereof in this case, that high school students are getting with pandemic restrictions in place. The amount of in-class and even teacher-supervised remote learning hours are far fewer for Vancouver students than for their cohorts in other school districts, with less than 75% of learning hours actually involving students in seats in classrooms. The province even weighing in on this recently, the Ministry of Education asking the district to review and revise its plan, something parents like Nathan Hume want to see happen too.
15: We expect the Vancouver School Board to comply with the law and to provide as much instruction as other school districts in BC are managing to do. 40 out of 60 school districts have been back full-time in person since September. The CSF, the Francophone district inside Vancouver, is back full-time since September. Uh, They can provide substantially more instruction, and they need to do it right now.
14: And we'll get a better idea of what could be coming down the pipe after that motion and that meeting at the Vancouver School Board tonight, which starts, Sophie, at 7 o'clock. All right, thanks for that.
3: Sarah McDonald at the Vancouver School Board.
1: Canadian shipments of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine are ramping back up, but there are some growing questions about the approval of the AstraZeneca vaccine and why it's taking so long. Canada already has 20 million doses of that vaccine on order, and Aaron MacArthur reports on the factors that might be holding up approval.
15: Nine months after the pandemic first took hold in Canada, a vaccine was approved for use. Two weeks later... A second vaccine was given the green light by Health Canada, but since then, nothing. Both Pfizer and Moderna using a new technology, mRNA. There are several more vaccines in the pipeline built on a more traditional viral vector formula. Of three submitted to Health Canada, AstraZeneca the furthest along. Although the vaccine appears to be effective, the final stages of the approval process have taken weeks. Many are questioning why.
16: Well, I think we're all kind of speculating at this point what the holdup might be.
15: The answer likely lies in the trial data the UK-based manufacturer submitted to Health Canada. Aside from a dosing mix-up, the vaccine was trialed in Phase 1 and 2 on a population aged between 18 and 55. The final Phase 3 trial expanded that age group. And Health Canada has had to go back and forth with the company, clarifying usage and labeling.
0: We've just had some conversations with them today. um, It is in the final stages.
15: Canada and the U.S. have not approved the vaccine. The U.K. and the E.U. have, but under a cloud of confusion. The WHO gave widespread emergency approval in order to begin inoculations in the developing world. But at the beginning of February, it was discovered the shot is less effective against the South African strain. 1.5 million doses in that country are sitting idle.
11: I don't envy Health Canada's position right now because I think they're in a very difficult position. What we
17: are seeing them do, though, is their job.
15: It appears the AstraZeneca vaccine will be approved at some point. But with more supply of the original two starting to flow into the country, the risks are being weighed carefully. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
3: Well, today is the first full day of new travel rules for anyone flying into Canada. There are already some complaints that the price, the conditions and the system are unfair. Ted Trinecki has the details and a loophole that could allow some travellers to avoid the most expensive part of these new regulations. Thank you for calling the Government of Canada's approved accommodation booking
1: service.
5: Global travel expert Claire Neal spent three hours on hold, twice to try and figure out how the new travel restrictions work. Others have had their call dropped after hours of waiting. Anyone arriving by air must now have paid for at least three nights at an approved hotel, non-refundable.
17: They are charging whatever they want and they've put in the application with the Public Health Agency of Canada who's making the decisions of which hotels can be on this list.
5: Lower mainland rates for three nights are well above the national average. Of the five approved hotels, the Fairmont Vancouver Airport was the least expensive at $1,600 for a single person, $2,356 for a double and over $4,000 for a family of four. Next was the Weston Wall Centre at 18 dollars and just under $4,000, all inclusive Inexplicably, the Days Inn is in. even more expensive. Higher-end hotels are cheaper in Calgary, as Canada's water polo team found out as it returned back from Italy. Uh, the Marriott, I think it was like 1300 wow. for three nights.
16: And they yeah. hear you don't have to pay for that yourself?
5: Me
9: not personally, thankfully, um, but Water Polo Canada does, so a bit of an unexpected cost for them. Some people on our, on our flight, they were concerned because they could not book hotels, uh, they couldn't get through.
5: Friends and family can arrange hotel accommodation for loved ones, but be prepared for lengthy waits and a pay up front. Or you can do what a number of stranded Canadians are suddenly considering.
17: They're planning to either fly to Seattle or to Bellingham, take transportation to the Canadian border where they can walk across as a Canadian citizen or PR and have someone leave either a vehicle or pick them up on the other side and do the mandatory 14-day quarantine but bypass the requirement to stay in a hotel at their expense.
5: Army tents started going up at border crossings, including Peace Arch and Douglas. The Red Cross is also involved to help administer the required COVID tests for those returning by land. Everyone's given an additional kit to take home for another self-administered test near the end of their home quarantine. Ted Czernicki, Global News.
1: Throughout a career in policing, this might be his biggest challenge yet. The man in charge of the new Surrey Police Department talks about his plan to improve law and order and how quickly officers could be on the streets. That's next on the News Hour. The United States reaches a grim milestone how the country is reacting to half a million COVID deaths later.
3: Also ahead, when this man heard barking coming from under his deck, he tore it apart and was shocked by what he found. That's later.
1: In the meantime, Surrey's new top cop is making a big promise just weeks into his job of establishing a force to replace the RCMP.
3: John Hua has more on Chief Norm Lipinski's community pledge, how he plans to recruit the best of the best, and why critics are concerned about cost.
7: As bullets continue to fly and burned out vehicles are found, work behind the scenes to build up the new Surrey Police Service forges on.
18: In 60 days, uh, I think we're doing pretty good, and the momentum certainly is there.
7: In fact, two months on the job, and Police Chief Norm Lipinski is making a bold claim.
18: I'm looking to have boots on the ground sometime this year.
7: First, the future of Surrey policing will need a new executive team to do everything from work the budget to creating a recruitment plan.
18: A lot of emphasis on diversity, on gender equity, and uh, we're looking to hire from all police agencies.
7: But how does a new municipal force poach policing talent? And does that mean beating out existing employers, dollar for dollar?
18: Financially, with the benefits, with the working conditions, with the training, with the equipment that we're going to offer, I think uh, members will find uh, SPS to be a very attractive place to work.
7: A possible selling point and policing benefit. Officers of the new Surrey Police Force can expect to stick around for a long time.
18: With the municipal police department, 90% maybe will stay for 25 years. And that's, that's not the same with the RCMP.
7: Critics of the move away from the RCMP say it all sounds very expensive.
19: We need to let the residents of Surrey know exactly what this policing model is going to look like and how much it's going to cost. Right now we're not seeing any of that.
7: Chief Lipinski insists even at the beginning, policing in Surrey will be improved. I think
18: uh, we'll be stepping forward in a positive way right from the start.
7: More will need to be done to sway the 50,000 people who've signed a petition or put up lawn signs in support of keeping the RCMP.
19: One of the very most important parts of policing is engaging with your community. and I'm not seeing that happening just yet.
7: Chief Lipinski says community engagement is coming, which will help determine the Surrey Police Service's strategic plan and priorities. Critics say community buy-in is hard to gauge without the hard numbers and fine details. John Hua, Global News.
3: A warning from BC paramedics tonight that emergency medical care is facing an emergency of its own. The union representing paramedics says staff shortages are leading to dangerously long delays and city-sized gaps in ambulance
20: service. Catherine Urquhart reports. Every day, BC paramedics receive 1,400 to 1,700 requests for service. Many of those calls are urgent, involving heart attacks or overdoses. But paramedics say they're facing extreme staffing shortages and fear the worst,
4: unless something changes. If that doesn't happen, it's going to affect patients' outcomes, and meaning people are going to have uh, negative outcomes, such as, uh, and hopefully not, death.
20: The paramedics union says the past few weeks have been especially troubling. On Friday night, they say some emergency calls waited up to an hour, with non-urgent ones waiting as long as 16 hours.
4: Friday night, we had up to 30 ambulances in the lower mainland, the GVOD and lower mainland areas out of service, which represents about 30% of our, our fleet. And what I mean by out of service is parked with no staff. At the start of the shift, they had no staff um, to cover any of the ambulances on the North Shore.
20: B.C. Emergency Health Services told Global News. Friday night saw more than 120 overdose calls to B.C.E.H.S. dispatch in a single 24-hour period. In the history of the overdose crisis, this has only happened four other times. EHS says the pandemic has also impacted service, noting they've added 55 ground ambulances, five air ambulances, and additional staffing, but acknowledge BCEHS currently has some paramedic vacancies and is actively recruiting to fill these positions. The paramedics believe 50 to 80 people need to be hired immediately just to deal with current staffing shortfalls, Otherwise, they fear the delays could be too long for some patients needing critical care.
4: People that call an ambulance need to know that the ambulance service is providing the proper level of care and resources to meet their needs in in their communities.
1: Catheter Cart, Global News. Just ahead on the news hour building a better coffee pod. It's all about the convenience. Big change is brewing for a B.C. company trying to prevent billions of pods from ending up in the landfill. And the free gift from
3: Canada Post post arriving in in mailboxes
17: next week. And you're supposed to pay it forward. Still a lot of leftover volume here westbound on Highway 1 through Langley after clearing an earlier car fire near 232nd Street. Still slow from about Bradner right through to 200th Street. Kermak Collision and Auto Glass provides no-cost windshield chip repairs with your insurance coverage, and Kermac donates 100% of their income from chip repairs through Kermak Cares for Kids. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above Highway 1 in Langley.
1: A UBC scientist has teamed up with a Surrey company to make a coffee pod he says is both good for the environment and good for coffee lovers. His pod
3: is fully compostable, and while that in itself isn't new, he says the product solves one of the biggest problems with compostable pods. Linda Aylesworth reports.
11: Remember how to do this, make coffee from scratch? Not everyone does. In fact, as many as 25% of households
9: have switched to single-use pods. It's all about the convenience, so regardless of the cost to the planet, people really appreciate something that they can brew very quickly, reliably and consistently, and don't really think about where their garbage goes.
11: For those who do care about such things, there are a growing number of recyclable brands, but they have to be dismantled,
9: which kind of defeats the convenience factor. And so... Right now, over 40 billion single-serve coffee pods are disposed of every year. And virtually all of these go straight to landfill. Uh, Very few are even recycled.
11: So three years ago, UBC professor Zachary Hudson joined Nex Innovations in Surrey to help create this, a compostable coffee pod.
9: So this pod right here is composed of a bamboo fiber exterior that uh, gives it structural rigidity and also a uh, bioplastic, plant-based material interior.
11: It's not the first compostable single-use coffee pot on the market, but according to Professor Hudson, it avoids a problem that makes others less desirable.
9: We found that uh, competing alternatives in the compostable pod space um, allowed air to get in a little too quickly, and so the coffee would go stale. The Zomapods, as they're called, launched on the company website two weeks ago and promptly sold out. We started our pilot launch just with a few thousand units and we'll be scaling up to a few hundred thousand units in the next few months with a goal to target uh, hundreds of millions in 2022.
11: At this point, there would seem to be only one alternative even more sustainable, one that Metro Vancouver would like everyone
21: to consider. Whenever possible, if people can make their coffee using a method that doesn't produce a a waste, uh, that would be preferable. Linda
11: Aylesworth, Global News.
21: Looks delicious. Well, coming up,
1: the staggering death toll from COVID in the U.S. We're in continual danger of having another surge. As the country passes 500,000 lost to the pandemic, the country's vaccination program pulls way ahead of Canada's.
3: And later, the fireball that lit off the southern Alberta sky.
17: Good evening. Traffic is nice and steady in both directions over here at the Portman Bridge. But further east on Highway 1 through Surrey and Langley, expect some leftover volume after clearing an earlier car fire. Connect Hearing has strict safety protocols in place. Take your first steps towards better hearing. Book a free appointment with Canada's number one physician-referred hearing health care provider today. I'm Trish G. in Global One at the Portman Bridge.
3: Across the United States, the pandemic has upended daily life. The country's death toll from the disease is roughly the same as the entire population of Newfoundland and Labrador, or half of Edmonton's population.
1: And as Global's Reggie Cicchini explains, even with signs of improvement, the United States is still far from being in the clear. The catastrophic toll of
10: this pandemic has always been a question of when.
0: We did not have a national
16: plan. We did not have a strategy. We could have done so much better.
10: For America, it was a painful journey towards and beyond 500,000 deaths. The first a little over a year ago, a quarter of a million in the last three months alone. Cases, still over 80,000 per day, are 75% lower than the peak. And while it's easing the burden on hospitals, there's a challenge in coming down the curve. If we just let our guard down, we're in continual danger of having another surge. The easing of restrictions and more contagious variants pose a threat, adding to the pressure on America's vaccine program.
2: I've been cancelled twice already.
10: It's imperfect, but is outperforming expectations. 63 million doses have been administered at a rate five times faster than Canada's effort.
16: We're in a race uh, against the variants. As these variants start to spread, creating more and more opportunity for replication and more variants to occur, we want to be able
19: to avoid that.
10: Through this crisis, numbers have been at the forefront of reporting, but lost in those numbers. Wish I could hug them one more time are the faces lost to this virus and the immeasurable toll that takes. Fathers and husbands.
0: I was so far
10: away, but I was close. Mothers and caregivers.
17: Even if I can just have another day,
10: another minute. Entire families. We had to watch her on an iPad, take her last breath. America's numbers might be higher than any other country, but it's pain and heartache all too familiar to far too many.
22: Remember each person
1: and the life they lived.
10: And only hours after ordering flags to fly at half-staff across the country, the president and vice president attended a candlelight vigil and held a moment of silence to mourn the 500,000 Americans who have died during this pandemic. It comes just a month after a service to remember 400,000 deaths, where the president remarked, remembering is how a nation heals. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Washington.
3: Canada Post is sending 13 and a half million postcards to Canadians across the country to help us stay in touch during COVID. The free postage paid postcards will be sent to every residential address in Canada and will start arriving in mailboxes March 1st. Recipients can send them to anyone in the country, no stamp required. Each household will receive a randomly selected postcard from one of six designs to send a message to someone they care about.
1: In health matters, a World Health Organization director is pleading with G7 countries to check before ordering additional COVID-19 vaccine shots for themselves. Now, Canada wasn't directly mentioned, but countries are being asked to consider whether their order will undermine efforts to get the shots needed out to poorer nations. Canada is the only one of the G7 countries using its membership in the program to get extra vaccines for its own population. The Liberal government has been under fire recently for a decision to accept close to 2 million doses of uh, or from COVAX for domestic use by the end of June.
3: Incredible new video of the moment Perseverance landed on Mars. NASA had several camera angles recording history. That's later.
1: But first, the homeowner who tore up his deck and found a dog down there. If Callie could only talk, she'd have an amazing tale to tell. The small dog recently emerged unscathed after a big adventure in White Rock.
3: Kylie Stanton explains how the senior canine ended up in deep trouble and how an alert neighbor came to the rescue.
23: Closing the gate may have been all it took to prevent this story from unfolding. But then we wouldn't be able to share it with you. You can barely see it. And explain how Wade Diceman got to the bottom of a mystery that began with only one clue. Uh, I started to
24: hear a dog yelping and barking.
23: Diceman assumed his neighbors had gotten a new puppy. But when the sounds continued through Friday and into Saturday morning, becoming more distressed by the hour he dug a little deeper. I went out and I had another look. I still couldn't make heads or tails of anything. But Diceman wasn't the only one searching. We
24: were walking up and down the streets. We were calling.
11: Starting to get pretty worried, of course, by then. Uh, Nothing was was showing up.
23: Little did anyone know, the only way to find what they were looking for was to listen. They heard the puppy yelp quite sharply and I,
24: I realized that it wasn't coming from my neighbor's house. It sounded like it was coming from my house
23: coming from underneath his deck to be exact. I thought, this isn't a puppy, this sounds like a trapped dog. Diceman immediately started to investigate, discovering a very narrow passageway. He tried reaching it, but couldn't make any progress, so he grabbed his tools. Then he began pulling up the boards with a crowbar, the first one revealing only a dark hole. But after a few more came up... I could see just the fur,
24: and I was just honestly so astonished. (laughs) and amazed, and I said, it's okay boy, it's okay, we're gonna get you out of there.
23: The next step was finding the owners.
24: I just thought I would look on Craigslist, and sure enough, the second listing was a dog missing, and there was Callie's face staring at me.
23: Meet Callie. Good girl. One phone call later, and she was reunited.
24: His words were, I think I have your dog, and uh, we just hit the roof. Callie saw them, and they saw Callie, and it was that kind of reunion, almost like you see in movies, to be honest.
23: After learning what Callie had been through. He would have come right through here. And the lengths Diceman went to save her. Grateful doesn't begin to
11: cover it. It was crazy.
24: It was amazing. I rarely have been that happy in my life. Callie. I don't feel like a hero or a rescuer or something like that, but I'm sure glad
23: that she is safe. Callie Stanton, Global News. Oh, that
1: face. <laughs> so cute. So cute for sure.
3: All right, Christy Gordon joins us now with a look at our weather forecast. Mm -hmm. Some uh, wild looking skies tonight, Christy.
19: Oh, yes, we've had a bit of everything tonight, and now some winds. We just had a report from the Langdale area blowing winds through the Howe Sound region, out through that region, and certainly across Vancouver Island and Air Victoria, so 50 to 60 kilometer an hour gusts. Those are going to ease off overnight, but we're still expecting a strong northwest flow tomorrow, and I'll show you what that will mean for our region. But first, as Sophie mentioned, it was interesting today. We saw lots of blue sky, but still a a lot of those dark flat bottom clouds and what do those produce? Yes, rainbows so thank you to everyone who shared your photos with us from uh, the Sunshine Coast to Vancouver Island, across the Lower Mainland and even some in the interior and it's because of these clouds here you can see these pockets of precipitation and that's what we're going to see as we head into tomorrow morning as well and then just next door, blue sky and it's that sunlight that reflects off of the uh, water droplets that produces the beautiful rainbows So thank you to Carolyn uh, for that one in Burnaby All right, so these pockets, that's what is in the satellite image, and you can expect that overnight and tomorrow morning as well. So certainly you can see that here in the future cast. Flurries for inland regions and certainly the mountain regions, but just showers for our area. However, that strong northwest flow is going to clear it out tomorrow afternoon. So sunshine tomorrow afternoon. It will be a cold start to the day for Wednesday, but at least lots of blue sky. Wednesday night, a bit of a concern. So we're expecting rain Wednesday night, but I want you to tune back in on Wednesday. There's a chance some higher elevation regions could see a little bit of snow. In the meantime, a few showers or flurries in the morning, sunshine tomorrow afternoon, and highs of 9 degrees, which is seasonal for this time of year, but pretty nice, that's for sure. Wednesday starts off with a fair amount of sunshine also before that next system moves in Wednesday night that I was mentioning. I'll leave you with tonight's central windows, weather window, Campbell River uh, from Deb Smith, another rainbow for you. Beautiful. Thank you, Christy. That is
1: great. Okay, Squire uh, is going to join us in just a moment, but before we get there, let's uh, go to space.
3: Yes, we are now getting an up-close look at the red planet after NASA's Perseverance rover landed on Mars on Friday.
11: Touchdown confirmed. Perseverance safely on the surface of Mars, ready to begin seeking the sands of past life.
1: So NASA released this new video showing the entry, descent and rover landing on the planet. New pictures are also emerging from the Martian surface. Scientists say that's thanks to an elaborate system of cameras giving us better than a bird's eye view of the planet. The team is overwhelmed with excitement
12: and, uh, and joy to have successfully landed another rover on the surface of Mars. This rover is an epic effort. It represents um, eight years of hundreds of engineers at the laboratory, thousands around the world, a total of over 4,000 human years of investment.
1: Amazing. And apparently a local company involved Mm -hmm. in those cameras, and we're going to try to tell that story tomorrow or the next day or the next day for you. (laughs)
22: Well, uh, Perseverance <laughs> is up there for a while, so we have time.
1: That's right. Don't
22: All you right. just once want to see some Martian photobomb that thing? I want to see Marvin. Just come in, give it one of these, and just go. We don't know what it is, where he went. I think that'd be huge. Um, and if he is mean, what do you, What was that Marvin, movie? Marvin. Marvin the Martian. No, no, no. The uh, one he, They killed him with Slim Witwin music. When Mars oh. attacks. Oh, yeah, that oh, yeah, one. Yeah. Uh, last night was another one of those games that Canucks should have won, but didn't.
0: It's not. Bouncing our way, it's not uh, going our way,
22: but, like, you still got to keep a heads up. Well, at least Pedersen got a couple of goals. Nice ones, too. Maybe that's a good omen going forward.
3: Also tonight, the search is on for remnants of a meteor that lit up the morning sky where it likely landed.
1: Sometimes perspective makes all the difference in how you look at something.
22: That is true. Um, And here's how to tell. If you're a glass-half-full or glass-half-empty Canuck fan, did the Canucks make a great late rally last night to tie the game against Winnipeg before losing in overtime? Or did they blow a 2-0 lead and should never have needed a comeback and then losing in overtime? I will say this. It was nice to see Elias Pedersen get some puck luck, the guy has been the NHL's iron man this season, hitting more posts and crossbars than anyone else. He hit one again last night, also hit the goalie in the face with a puck. But both his goals last night were outstanding, and maybe that'll get rid of some of the frustration that Petey was showing after they lost Friday 2 0 to Winnipeg.
0: Yeah, know, it's just, I'm just getting tired of saying we played a good game but they didn't score, so.
22: Well, you're not the only one tired of that observation, but last night the Canucks did score three times, still didn't get the full two points, but at least Pedersen's two goals were memorable. The first one was Bure-like, between the legs. Like Pavel, Pedersen tries things in games that other players wouldn't try in practice. And the second goal, the tying goal, was the patented slap shot from the face-off circle that has the velocity of a rail gun. It's
0: been a lot of uh, hitting the post, broken sticks, and I mean, I've been trying to score those uh, for X amount of games now.
22: The overtime ending, of course, was bad for Vancouver. It meant the Jets got four points and the Canucks won in two weekend games. Another one of those games, like Patterson said earlier, that the Canucks really had a lot of chances to win.
0: Uh, hopefully this rough uh, two weeks with the uh, think we could have had a lot more wins, but, I mean, it's not bouncing our way. It's not uh, going our way, but, like, you still got to keep a heads up um, and just be ready for the next one.
22: Well, the Canucks didn't want to see this tonight. The Flames getting their act together against the Maple Leafs. Both backup goalies in this game. Markstrom, upper body injury. Anderson, lower body injury. So Michael Hutchinson in goal for Toronto. First goal of the game, Sam Bennett. Matthew Kachuk with the tip there. That made it 2-0. David Riddich was in goal for the Flames and the Leafs couldn't beat Riddich, not once. This is Sean Monaghan getting just his third of the year and 3-0, Calgary upsets Toronto. Well, the five teams in BC who are in the Western Hockey League and all the teams in the BCHL would love to get the green light to play a very short season this year. They have proposals being looked at in Victoria. No word on when they'll get an answer from the government. Next door in Alberta... Their junior teams have both the green light to play a short season and some financial assistance added in.
19: So happy to be able to announce today the Jackpots for Junior Hockey online 50-50 initiative being launched to help support the WHL and the AJHL junior hockey in Alberta.
25: Fitting that Alberta's Minister of Culture, Multiculturalism and Status of Women was wearing a Calgary Hitman jersey and standing in front of a hockey arena. Alberta's Jackpots for Junior Hockey 50-50 draw will be held weekly beginning in March. The province's five Western Hockey League teams and 15 AJHL franchises will begin play later this week and at the beginning of March will be the main beneficiaries with partial proceeds from the online draws also going to local charities.
12: They I can speak on behalf of all the junior hockey teams uh, in the province that when you consider that we're a fan-dependent league uh, with over 90% of the revenues coming from ticket sales and local sponsorship, you can understand where all of the expenses now are, are borne by the ownership of those teams. Many are very... Uh, uh, um, in difficult positions to begin with and when you add this on top of it it's a very difficult position to obviously
10: recover wall? from. Puck comes to Rumsey to stairs, a shot, rebound, Haggerty, the blast, scores!
25: The Quebec Major Junior Hockey League is 28 games deep into their season. And as you can see, with the limited number of fans in the building, by the end of the week, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba will have their teams in action too. And the decision to allow junior hockey to return is one the Alberta government considers to be of great importance for the overall well-being of everybody, and not just the hockey community.
19: Vital is an understatement, actually, when you consider the mental health and well-being of our communities. And that's not just in sport, that's culture, arts, the entire gamut.
25: It's almost been a year since the Vancouver Giants last played a home game. So where exactly do things currently stand for BC's five Western Hockey League teams and the possibility of their return to action?
12: Uh, we're optimistic we're going to have a season in BC. Uh, we are working through uh, and have had good discussions and and hopefully we'll have a resolution real soon uh, to get our teams uh, in BC active again.
22: Well, the Seattle Mariners president, Kevin Mather, has resigned after comments he made in a Rotary Club speech. Some of the things he said, including, included I should say, talking bad about some of the team's prospects mouthing off guys who didn't speak English very well and their interpreters. I don't know what that was all about. And also, he said third baseman Kyle Seeger was overpaid. Next time the Rotary Club wants a Mariner speaker, the Mariner should just send Mariner moose. He doesn't say anything. All he makes is benign hand gestures.
1: It's safe that way.
22: Much safer.
18: (laughs) All right, thanks, Squire.
1: Here's Jay Durant now, the preview of Global News tonight at 11. Jay? Thank you, Chris. We'll have details on a
18: guilty verdict in a Surrey murder. It was almost exactly two years ago that a man was fatally stabbed in his home. A 26-year-old charged in his death has now been convicted of the crime. Plus, we we're following tonight's Vancouver school board meeting where parents are again pushing for more in-person learning For students, those stories and a lot more when you join us tonight at 11. Sophie, Chris. All right,
1: Jay, thank you.
3: Early risers treated to quite the sight in Alberta this morning. That's next. Albertans were treated to a stunning display in the sky this morning.
1: Yeah, big flash of light that has everyone talking. And now the hunt is on to find exactly where that fireball might have landed. Global's Morgan Black explains.
16: Every so often, you're in exactly the right place. A flame across the sky, like an ember just shooting across the, the, the skyline of downtown Edmonton. Early risers like Leah Story caught a glimpse of what most of us have been watching on security footage all day. A celestial rock soaring across the sky at about 6.20 a.m. This was so close. I've never seen anything like that. Story saw a meteor a particularly bright one known as a fireball.
21: Seeing one that gets really bright, far brighter than, say, the planet Venus does, that's a pretty rare event and happens, you know, maybe once a year from Alberta, um, if that.
16: Frank Florian, manager of Planetarium and Space Sciences at the World of Science, says they've heard reports of the fireball across the province, and it may have left something behind.
21: There might be some fragments of little black rocks scattered somewhere over Alberta.
16: Where might those fragments be? This is video captured by the Athabasca University Geospace Observatory. Florian hopes this footage, along with home video, will help them zero in on the precise location.
21: People in Drumheller saw this as well, way in Southernover and Calgary. Uh, And, you know, Red Deer and Edmonton, everything seeing to the north-northwest.
16: He didn't catch a glimpse of the meteor himself, but a young scientist in the house was available for comment.
2: I kind of assumed it was like a shooting star or a meteor or something like that, mostly because...
16: It's science family. (laughs) Florian says now is the right time of year to spot one.
21: The Earth encounters more of these larger pieces of material that rain down on the Earth and give us some spectacular fireballs. So this might be one of just a few that we might be able to see if you're out and about at the right time and right place.
16: For those in the right place at the right time, it was the perfect way to start the day.
0: My own little little astronaut moment, but on Earth.
16: (laughs) Morgan Black, Global News.
1: It's time to be into going. that with uh, Mars Perseverance out there. Uh, a lot of interest
16: for
5: sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
19: All right, Christy. Final word on the weather. Still a slight chance of showers tomorrow morning, especially for those of you in the Fraser Valley. But expect a beautiful afternoon with sunshine and a high of nine degrees. Cold start to the day on Wednesday, though.
1: All right. Thanks very much, Christy, and thank you for watching. Thanks to everybody who gave during Variety too. Have a great night.
19: Good night, all.